0: scary story podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week like dead of night the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation or another recent one the delivery where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory my name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. The holidays and holiday gatherings are right around the corner. If you celebrate Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving, which is a term for a gathering for friends celebrating away from their families, You've probably already begun plotting recipes, food shopping, and invitations. My family tends to do a big party and food to do the weekend before Thanksgiving, due to their college alma mater's homecoming weekend. So the big tea day itself is pretty casual. It's a ritual that works for us. And whether you're prepping for a traditional holiday gathering or something unique to your home, Here are some spooky stories to help you appreciate and hold your loved ones just a little bit tighter. Today, we take a trip to one of the largest continents on Earth and listen to some of your most terrifying stories from all throughout the countries of that land. Featuring stories of time-honored festivals, meetings with elders, and ancient curses across the continent, settle in for these scary stories from Africa. First, we'll explore a house that houses a vengeful spirit. Next, we'll feel a strange presence late at night in South Africa. After that, we'll catch a forbidden festival in Nigeria. And finally, we'll wander the mountains of Cape Verde and find something strange within. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, as always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com/snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Legend of the Tokoloshe. Moving to a new place can be exciting, but also a bit nerve-wracking. Will kids at school accept you? Will you make new friends? Will you have to hide from an ancient South African monster climbing into your bedroom? That last bit might be a bit specific, but it falls right in line with today's story, inspired by a submission from Lily. My name is Driana, and I'm originally from Pretoria, a city in South Africa. As a kid, the only stories I'd heard about the Tokoloshi came from my cousins in smaller villages. But last year, my family moved north to Botswana to a remote village called Mochudi, where people really believed in spirits. My new schoolmates always talked about the Tokoloshis, which they said were conjured when an enemy placed a hex on you. Covered in patchy dark hair and only a couple of feet tall, they crawl out of wetlands at night, shape shifting through closed doors and windows to get into your bedroom. It all sounded like fantasy to me. The only thing odd about our new house so far was that at sundown, a woman in all black would walk our street. I assumed she was a moswagadi, a widow. It says black was what widows wore in our culture. Otherwise, the house was perfect, and the best part was my bedroom. I didn't even mind sleeping with my mattress on the floor while we waited for my new bed frame to arrive. One night, as I was fast asleep, something bit hard into my left big toe. I tossed back the covers, but nothing was there. Ugh, we must have rats, I thought. So the next day, I asked my mom for help, and she laid out traps around my bed. That night, I was only half asleep when... A surge of pain rippled through my right foot. I flung off the covers to see a tiny, mangy-haired creature biting down on my bloody foot with its sharp, rotten teeth. Its blue eyes cast a stare of pure evil at me. Horrified, I screamed for my parents, who ran in as the tokoloshi slithered out the window, unseen. But what my parents did see, written on the wall in blood, was my name, Drianna. I tried to explain what had happened, but they were convinced I was just making a scene to get attention. I had acted out and drawn on the walls as a child, but never with my own blood. Regardless, they patched my toe up and told me to go to bed. At school the next day, my friend Loreto told me I was lucky I awoke. If it got its teeth in you, you could get a horrible illness, paralysis, even death. Tokoloshis were invisible to anyone but their victims, he explained which is why my parents couldn't see it. But who would have put a hex on you, Laredo pondered. My mind immediately went to the woman in black. As the sun set that night, the Mosuagiri made her rounds, and I asked my dad to mention the tokoloshi to her, but he refused, saying it would be offensive. Luckily, Laredo told me another way to deal with the tokoloshi, get to higher ground. So. My parents placed my mattress on four chairs and I was confident I would finally be free of it. But the second I drifted off, I felt a stinging sensation as jagged teeth sunk into my toes. I kicked, but the tokoloshi held on, biting deeper as it grinned at me. I shrieked for help as I felt my body go numb from the waist down. It was paralyzing me. My parents hurried in, unable to see the tokoloshi as it slithered off. Angry I'd awoken them, they scolded me and left the room. All alone, I realized that if I was going to rid myself of the Tokoloshi, I'd have to handle it myself. I looked out my window to see the Moswagati passing by. My legs still tingled, but I got them moving and ran out the house after her. Have a problem with me? I asked her. She slowly turned around and glared down at me. Yes, she replied, you're in my home. The home I was forced to sell to your family when my husband passed. I felt bad for her. Leaving home was bad enough for me. I couldn't imagine losing one. Still, it was not my fault. I had to stand my ground. I'm sorry for your loss, I said, but I can't help what my parents did. Now take that hex off me. The Maswagadi grinned and said, if that's what you wish. As I returned home and got into bed, it felt like the curse was lifted. I laid back. When horrific cries came from my parents' bedroom. I ran in to see my parents' feet being shredded by something invisible. I froze in shock, realizing the awful truth. The maswagadi had removed my curse, but my parents would suffer and pay for it.
2: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well.
1: Ever stay up late and notice strange things by your window, or maybe a weird sensation crawling on your body? Then this next story will be all too familiar. Settle in for this horrifying account of a late night inspired by MK. It had been a couple of months, but I still wasn't over the death of my grandparents. It was weird to put into words. I had barely known them, and we hadn't actually interacted that much, and yet now it feels like something has left my life that I can never get back. Maybe that's what kept me awake that night. I was watching TV really late, just using it to distract myself, I guess. Occasionally I'd drift off into sleep, then wake up again at whatever was on. This time, though, I awoke to the jarring image of static on the monitor, I was weird. I thought something was always on on this channel. I tried to get up to switch it off, but I couldn't. I was awake. My eyes were open, but my body would not move. It was as if my body had just turned off. I had read online about sleep paralysis before. Was that what this was? If so, it was horrible. I started panting through my nose and a low moan left my lips, but that was it. All I could do was look around the room. Then someone passed by the window. It was close to the outside of my periphery, a shadow passing by someone outside of our house this late at night, heading to the front door. Still unable to move, I watched as the knob twisted. Relieved, I remembered that we had locked it earlier. There was a pause. Then the knob was violently twisted again. There was a slam on the door. I prayed that my parents would hear it and wake up, but I heard nothing from further in the house. And there was quiet on the other side of the door as well. Then rustling as whoever was there started moving to the back of the house. Was that locked? Sometimes we forget to lock the back door. I tried to move again, but it was no use. The only sounds were the static from the TV, my panicked breathing, and then the slow slide of the sliding glass door at the back of the house being slid open. I strained to move, and then I felt it. A sensation starting on my arms and then sp- spreading throughout my whole body, as if a thousand hairs had pricked up at the same time and someone was now tugging on each of them. A prickly, needle sensation and the pain started to intensify. With my locked, limited vision, I watched horrified as the skin on my hands began to physically bubble up. It was like a thousand fire ants biting underneath my skin. I tried to scream, to grunt, to force my body to get up, but I was still stuck, paralyzed on the couch. The pain ratched up higher and higher. I was nauseous with tears streaming down my face. And then suddenly I was free, exploding up from the couch. I rubbed my hands over my skin, retching. I ran to the kitchen faucet and splashed cold water on my arms, my face, gulping the water down while shuddering, trying to regain control. Then I remembered. Wait, did someone come in through the back door? Spinning quickly around, I became lightheaded. I shot my hands toward the kitchen counter, missed it, and fell hard with a thud onto the floor. Gasping, I sat up in my bed. Sunlight shining on my face. It was morning, and I was back in my bedroom. Was all of that a dream? I shook off the covers and noticed my pajamas. They were spotted with dark red spots and splotches. Bringing my sleeve up to my nose, I smelled the metallic tang of what could only be blood. I tried to get out of bed and my entire body felt worn out and incredibly sore. Looking around my bedroom, it looked a bigger mess than usual almost as if it had been torn apart by something. Limping, I made my way to my parents' bedroom. It was empty and also torn apart, just like mine. I groaned as I carefully took the stairs down to the first floor, and that's where I found my mom and dad. They were patching each other up. A first-aid kit was open on the kitchen counter, bandage wrappers and ointment out on the counter. We had been attacked somehow in the night. The living room and dining room were also in shambles. I croaked a greeting and was surprised to see my mom snatch a knife from the counter and whirl around, pointing it at me. But when they saw the panicked look on my face, they relaxed and rushed to hug me. We're so glad you're back, MK. It was a rough night, my mom said as she embraced me. What in the world had happened? I asked, then told them about that all-too-real dream that I had. It had been a dream, right? My parents worriedly looked at each other. There was a long pregnant pause. Then my dad started to explain. We didn't want you to know, MK, but your grandparents were deep into the wrong sides of witchcraft. They didn't plan to pass on in peace. They had made sure that avenues would stay open to them in case something happened to them because they were always determined to come back. My mom told me that when I was a baby, my grandparents would volunteer to babysit me. But during those times, they had also prepped me using dark rituals. They had planned to use my body as a vessel to enter from the afterlife for both of them to possess and control. The process of taking over my body would be messy and dangerous, but they had had the time and did not expect to be gone forever. My parents had their suspicions of what was happening when I had gotten older and they were devastated. They had fought back against my grandparents, banning them from ever coming near me again. But unfortunately, by that time, most of the rituals had been completed before they had realized what was going on. Just then, our town's priest walked through the open front door, arms laden with vials of water, religious symbols, carrying a bag filled with what looked like more the same. He tensed up when he spotted me, wildly looking over at my parents, and then relaxed when my mom shook her head at him and smiled at me and took my hand. "'You got me good last night, MK,' he mentioned, pointing to a gash on his forehead." The priest explained that my grandparents' spirits had returned and possessed me last night, using a dream ritual that they had embedded within me when I was a child. During last night's possession, my grandparents had used my body to take out their wrath on our home and on my parents. While my dad had finally managed to hold me, to hold them down, My mom had run to get the town priests, and together, the three of them had managed to cast them out. I was astounded, shocked, and frightened. But that's it, right? I said. They were stopped, right? So everything should be fine now. I trailed off as the priest shook his head and started setting out the religious supplies that he had brought with him. Glancing at me, he sadly said that, yes, I had survived the first night of my possession, but there would be many more until all doors that my grandparents had opened within me for themselves were closed. Then and only then would they be out of my body, and it would be my own once again. Weakly, I sat down as he grasped my shoulder and told me that it would be a long fight, but that they planned to win my vision faded a bit. I gripped onto the wall, feeling dizzy, then sat up, as I felt the same paralysis from last night stealing into my body. A whimper escaped my mouth, and I began to tear up. It was happening again. The priest yelled over to my parents and began to chant. With my frozen, limited vision, I felt my dad start to tie me to the chair, crying and wiping his eyes. My mom helped by tying my legs down, all the while patting my knee and whispering how sorry they were, how much they loved me. I love you too, I thought as my eyes closed and then sprang open. It was the dream ritual that had been implanted within me again. I was alone in what looked like our living room. The static from the living room TV buzzed in the background as I realized that I could not move. I gazed at the front door as my grandparents once again started pounding furiously on the door, demanding entrance, moving around, then on the back door. Finally, I heard the creak of a window sliding up. The priest was right. They had made other ways to get in. MK, I really hope that you're at the end of this very long journey. And I am so sorry that this has happened to you. I hope that you were saved from from this possession. It's something that we do see in movies where there's numerous movies actually about people being possessed. And some people think that it just stays there, that it is just an entertainment thing, that it's just a spooky horror thing to send chills down your spine. But when you go online and you start actually researching into this, you can see that possession is a real thing. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you, MK, but thank you so much for sharing this with all of us. Traditions and rules are not something that are easily broken, but a child's curiosity knows no bounds, which leads to our next story, inspired by Femi from Nigeria. I didn't want to stay inside that night, but my parents wouldn't give me any other choice. Today, there was going to be an Oro festival in our small town in Nigeria. An important elder had died earlier that day. And tonight, everyone around town was rushing to get the festivities started. However, women and children were forbidden to watch the ceremony. Seeing as I was both, I wasn't able to go no matter how much I wanted to see. So I stayed in my room that night drawing in my sketchbook. I could hear the distant beating of the drums as they passed the neighborhood and approached along the street past my house. The loud drums beat rhythmically right outside. I felt the floorboards resonate with that beat, and I decided I could take a quick peek. I snuck out the back door and climbed up on my fence. There, in the middle of the street, they rolled a cart with a white sheet on it. Underneath, I believe, it was the body of the elder. Drummers followed behind, Everyone was in masks, rhythmically dancing along to the steady beat of the drums. Just then, one of the dancers stopped. Its smiling mask turned and seemed to stare right at me. Then it rose its hand and pointed at me. I dropped from the fence and sprinted back into my bedroom. My heart was beating out of my chest. It felt like the whole procession might have just stopped. They knew what I did. Shaking, I threw the covers over my head and tried to slow down my breathing. Then I heard the drums start up again. Soon they grew quieter as they took the road and left my neighborhood. Breathing deeply, I sat up and removed my covers just in time to watch as my closet door slowly creaked open and made a squeaky whine as it opened fully, revealing a dark expanse. Suddenly, a slender, pale hand gripped the closet door and pulled itself out. A creature unfurled. It looked white and sickly, with legs similar to a goat's, but with no fur, and it carried a bloody mass in its arms. Atop its neck was an oro mask, Reaching up with its slender, pale hand, it reached up and pulled it off to reveal nothing. Where a face should have been was a leaky stump. Horrified, I quickly turned on the lights, but it didn't disappear. It was real. And with the lights on, I could see the mass in its arms clearly. It was a disembodied head. It was my head. I quickly jumped out of bed and rushed out of the room before the creature could grab me. I ran down the hall and pounded on my parents' bedroom, screaming for help. My dad opened the door with a bat in his hand, ready to fight. I explained that there was a monster in my room, but when they checked, there was nothing there. What they did find was a broken oro mask by my bed. Honey, how did this get here tell us the truth? My mom carefully questioned me. I told them it was the creatures, but my parents were furious. To them, they saw a daughter terrified by guilt for watching the Oro Festival. What better proof did they need than that Oro mask? But they didn't see what I saw. That sickly creature carrying my bloody head. It must have left the mask there, possibly to warn me maybe to mark me. I tried to explain this to my parents, but they didn't listen. They just told me to be more respectful of elders when they passed during the festival. What could I do but nod and go back to my bed? In the morning, I found the broken mask in the trash. My parents didn't want me messing with it anymore, so they had tossed it. Just in case, I swiped the mask and burned it with some trash outside. I hope that by destroying the mask, That would ward off the creature, but I don't know. I can't be sure. Every night now, I watch my closet door. Nothing else has come out of it so far, but I have to be ready. I have to stay vigilant. I stay awake most nights, because maybe that creature might come to take my head. Thank you for sharing your experience with us, Femi. I know that it can be especially terrifying when we do things that we're told not to do and then put that together with also having an experience of that closet door and what could be waiting for you within it. I think more than likely, burning the mask was probably the best possible thing that you did and I and I feel that that is what has kept you safe from this creature. I've read stories in the past that when relics or things such as this are left behind, if they're destroyed or sanctified then that ends your connection with that creature. So personally I do believe that you are safe but if you don't feel safe I I recommend you bringing it back up to your parents. I know that can be a difficult conversation, but better to be safe than sorry. When you find yourself in an island paradise, of course you'd want to explore. Well, in this next story inspired by Brittany, things get a little strange when she travels a bit too far off the beaten path in the Cape Verde Islands. It was a sunny day out on the Cape Verde Islands, a small African nation off the coast of Senegal. Brittany was staying at her aunt's place for the summer and was currently looking through old photo albums. It was funny to see her mom as a kid. They looked a lot alike. Brittany took out a gray photo stuffed away in the seams of the album. There was an older woman standing next to her mother. Who was this woman? Suddenly, Brittany's aunt called out to her. She needed help getting the chickens back into their coop. Brittany beamed and ran into the field, chasing the chickens around. It was a fun part of the day. Brittany quickly herded all the chickens back into the coop, except one. He was a wily one with long gray feathers. He ran from Brittany's grasp over to the porch. The chicken ripped into the photo album and grabbed the old picture. Brittany chased after it as it sprinted out of the lot and into the mountains. Brittany didn't want to have to tell her aunt she had lost the photo, so she followed the chicken further and further away from the house. Brittany put up a good chase, but soon she admitted she was lost. The mountains became dense with trees, and it was hard to tell where she was. Just then, a voice called out to her. Brittany, there you are, it said. Brittany spun around to find an old woman with dark skin and purple robes. In her hand was the chicken. Brittany backed up as the stranger approached her. Uh, h- how do you know my name? Brittany asked. The woman replied that she was her grandma, or Vova. But Brittany didn't know of any grandparents in the mountains. Vova claimed that she knew the way out of the mountains. But Brittany was cautious. Still, she didn't know how to get back home, and the sun was starting to set. Reluctantly, she allowed the Vova to help her. They began to chat as Vova led her out of the mountains. She asked Brittany all sorts of questions about her life, how she was, where she went to school, what her hobbies were. Brittany enjoyed chatting with Vova while petting the chicken. It was a relaxing walk through the Cape Verde mountains. Brittany grabbed the photo out of the chicken's mouth and glanced at it. Her eyes widened. Then she looked at Vova. It was the same woman from the photo. But the further they walked away from the mountains, the more Vova looked different now. Her skin was becoming gray and her face gaunter. She was trying to hide any of her skin with the purple robes. Vova finally led Brittany to the edge of the mountains, but Brittany... I had to ask. You're the same woman from this photo, right? Vova was silent. She looked at the photo and smiled. Brittany noticed how frail she seemed now in the sunlight. Vova handed the photo back to her and gave Brittany a big hug. Her body was ice cold. It was so nice to finally meet you, Brittany. And then she spun around and limped back into the mountains. Brittany wanted to follow after her, but it was getting late. She returned back with the chicken and some questions. Her aunt ran to her, concerned as to where she had been, but Brittany instead asked her, "Who, who was this woman in the photograph?" Her aunt looked at the picture solemnly and explained that it was Brittany’s grandmother. She had died from a fall in the mountains two months before she was born. Brittany felt like her whole world had stopped. And then she smiled. There was no reason to be scared. Her grandmother had come for her, for one last conversation and to lead her home out of those mountains. Thank you, Brittany, for sharing this with us. I love hearing a story where we have a positive experience with a ghost or with a family member that has decided to come back and help us one last time to bestow wisdom on us, our love and care. And I think that's especially important for us to remember and and also to be a part of uh, as our holidays are coming around. Because that's one thing that I do believe when we gather with family and we're toasting and we're eating and just enjoying a good time together. I feel like that is a time when our grandparents or great grandparents and our ancestors also love to see us being that happy, being that fulfilled because they do watch over us just like Brittany's Vova watched over her. This week's podcast stories were edited by Zach and Brogno, Markeia McCarty and Adam Sinker. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.